And hello, welcome once again to Thick Muscat's Evolution Podcast. And this is the main event of the evening. Today is an open forum here. We're going to be talking about the Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, and whatever else pops up in our heads. With me today are two super fans, Marcus Williams and KPG. How are you doing, gentlemen? Good. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Thank you. So it was Marcus who brought up the topic about Monday Night Wars and Attitude Era, which a lot of people don't remember the Monday Night Wars because they were, only, they were born in like 93 and 94. But you and I, and probably KPG, we remember the Monday Night Wars, don't we? Very much so. Yeah, very much so. So um, I don't care who goes first, but which, let's start off with KPG since He's the mysterious man without the camera right now. <laughs> so, what what's your if someone mentions the Monday Night Wars to you, how would you describe them? I would describe it as it's like the NBA versus college football, or not college basketball. You have these two like major programs competing against each other, and One's better than the other, or one's um, trying to get to another. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Business makes sense. Yeah. What do you have to say, Marcus? So, I will put it in fair comparison of... And I think KGP, this is probably what he's trying to say. If you were to compare... The NBA from, I want to say, 1996 to 2010, and then compare it from 2011 till now, it's totally different, and everyone's going to have their own opinion of it, but the ones who lived back then, they're like, this is what I know, and this is when the NBA was real. This one was really hard on your heart, where, you know, you have people playing against each other. Nowadays, it's like, really don't see anybody playing against each other. Everybody wants to play together. Everybody wants to work together to get something as opposed to, well, I, I say I beat this guy, this guy, and this guy, and now I know I'm the best player on the planet. Now I know I have the best team on the planet. So I guess that's what he was trying to say. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense when, you know, your translation what he's trying to say. It makes absolute sense. So uh, let me ask you first, Marcus. What version do you, of professional wrestling do you like better? Like, do you like the WWE about keeping everything within Vince's world, or do you like the whole forbidden doors open and you have like Deanna Plaza going to Southwest Fury defending her title and all these different promotions getting involved working together? One hundred percent is the forbidden door, and I tell people you have to give Tony Khan one hundred percent credit for even attempting something that crazy because if you look at the wwe right now nine times out of ten you'll watch youtube videos on what happened on raw smackdown you really don't care about watching raw smackdown nxt as phenomenal as the superstars they have vince will never treat nxt like a third brand True. Well, he tried to watch the Survivor Series and he just didn't go back to it. Well, it wasn't that he didn't try. It's that oh, they claimed well, it's the pandemic and like a lot of fans were like, well, wait, let's get this right. Winter Park, Florida isn't that far from the Thunderdome. Well, what are you talking about? It's because of the pandemic and Winter Park, Florida is 30, 45 minutes away from you guys. Stop it. It's because of what happened during the Survivor Series, if you remember. When NXT came in the Survivor Series, they were the heavy favorites. Everybody wanted them to win every single match. They knew they weren't going to win every single match. But the fact that they won the Survivor Series pay-per-view in general, that made the fans happy. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, KPG? I agree with you, sir. I think the Forbidden Door opening is so, is so like, 
organic and natural for everybody to work together and give everybody like Ring of Honor, Impact, and AEW to introduce their stars to new like crowds where because Impact, not many people watch Impact nowadays. So somebody from Impact goes to face Kenny Omega, that'll have more eyes on them. Like Summer Series this Sunday. And I'm pretty sure nobody really knew that. They know Kenny's their champion, but nobody really knew Summer was going to be a Sunday. All they know is, oh, Kenny's their champion. And so that's going to bring more odds on them with Kenny being their champion. And he's going to be at impact. It's going to be more pay-per-view-wise just to see Kenny. So, so it's more odds on the product if somebody from Ring of Honor or Impact goes to another company and that's going to, like I said, bring more odds to everybody. First of all, I've, I've followed Impact for the past couple of years. I'm an Impact fan. I watch more Impact than Raw, I can tell you that much. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, Impact ratings did double when Kenny Omega started to show up. And then when he won the title, the ratings were still pretty up there. Now everyone's like, eh, it's like, seem all okay, you know? And now the ratings are slowly coming down. Well, that's the after effect. I like to say, that's the after effect of Vince's expansion into the indie. That's that's partly Vince's fault. Because when you think about it, like everybody knows Impact, everybody knows Impact. I know Impact too. But before I knew Impact, I knew TNA Wrestling. And TNA Wrestling set the world off. Like X Division, yet the Ultimate X match, which I still say is Probably one of the greatest match inventions maybe in the, in the past 25 years. I would agree. And you had all these stars. You had Chris Saban and you had Alex Shelley and you the Motor, City, Motor City Machine Guns. And you had young Samoa Joe who was just stomping on everybody for 18 months straight. And then you had you know, AJ Styles before the hair. Then you had you know, Jeff Jarrett. You had Monty Brown and you had Abyss and Raven, you had this company where their title, their brand title, meant something. They were the alternative to wrestling. They weren't an entertaining company. They were a wrestling company. And they showed you every pay-per-view, hey, we're not WWE. We don't do, you know, stories about a clown or something like that. We actually do organic stories where we build to something. Yeah, good point. I was like hitting on my Yeah, good point. Were you going to say KGB? Like KGB? Yeah, I was, I was agreeing with you. Say, yeah, that was a good point. It's a good point. I mean, it's like WWE. It's like, remember growing up, you had the action figures and you're like five years old and you just grab two figures and go against each other and no crazy matches, but who cares? You're five years old. It's like, that's what Vince is doing. It's like, he doesn't care about the product. He just wants to do what... Vince wants. It's Vince Land. I feel like he destroyed the Fiend. Fiend was an awesome character. And he just like pissed it away. I'll go one, I'll go one deeper on you. I wouldn't say he destroyed the Fiend. I would say he destroyed Bray Wyatt. Because every time the fans endorsed Bray Wyatt, he did. When the Fireflies originally came out and you saw uh, I think when they first came to Raw and you saw thousands and thousands of fans pulling out cell phones, you're like, that's probably the creepiest yet the greatest thing I've probably ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, he knew that. Yes. I, I feel like Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend could have been the next this generation's Undertaker. No. You know what I'm saying? The Undertaker could have passed the torch to The Fiend. There's a reason I say no to that before we get to the whole topic. It's um, this generation's Undertaker should have been Aleister Black. He's got, he is, just his character alone was, was literally the creepiest character you've ever seen. He didn't talk much. 
and when he did talk, like you heard and you listened. It's like when he did the whole uh, storyline with um, Johnny Gargano. And he magically appeared during a Nikki Cross match because he knew she knew something. And it's like, okay, just pull the Undertaker act of just magically appearing. Yeah. 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 I but I always agree that Arthur Black is closer to the next Undertaker than The Fiend. The Fiend would have been good. He would have been really good. But when, and we took those five curb stops from Seth Rollins and still got up at one. That shows you. But then a month later, he takes one spear from Goldberg, who I call Oldberg, and he gets pinned. It's like, how does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And Vince is mine, but for the fans, it's like, come, come on now. Even nowadays, I've said, like, if you really look at it and really think about it, how are, how are you guys trying to portray a, an entertainment company? I understand that. It's an entertainment company. I understand that. With wrestlers. Don't do that. It, it, it's a wrestling company. It's a wrestling company first and foremost. If you want to do entertainment on the side, that's fine. But that's why you're losing your fans is because you're trying too much to do entertaining as opposed to trying to do wrestling. But here's the thing, though. Like, in their defense, they have, like, so many endorsements and stuff like that. So you where they have to do, like, be a star. Because I was like the interview with Bully Ray. Um, and when they came back to WWE, he wanted to do the Bully Ray character. But since they had a dress like be a star and shit like that, he couldn't do it. He was this close, like a couple of days away where the next could do one Bully Ray. And he was like, no, we can't do it because the endorphins. Hey, why do you think Dan Bryan got fired from choking out Josh Matthews, I think? Well, he got time. fired because, let, let, let's face it, between us and just, like, just wrestling fans in general, you see somebody choking somebody on national television, it's not the endorsers are going to say this thing. It's the parents. They're really going to say something. Yeah. That's why they let them go. I think it was a stupid release, to tell you the truth, because I think Josh Matthews does have talent, maybe as a commentator, but he does have talent. Yeah. So the great thing, let's start with KPG on this one. Because we all know the Attitude Era during these days would probably work. Or at least be better than it is right now. You know, better than the product is right now. Why don't you, don't, do you think, you guys think that, um, I'll start with KPG first. Why don't you think Vince would pull the trigger and be like, hey, it's 2021. People want more of the Attitude Era bag. Let's give it to them. I think it's because the whole this generation, like Generation Z and all this shit. The whole cancel culture and let's cancel everything. You know what I'm saying? So if they do try to do some editor and shit, um, people are gonna see it. Some non-wrestling fans are gonna see it on TikTok or whatever, they're gonna be like, let's cancel WWE because they had um a strip tease or they call somebody a whore or whatever. And like I said, with the like last time, like a couple months ago, the endorsements. They have endorsements with be a star. And they have endorsements with Peacock and Peacock is so huge on censorship and shit. So that's the two main reasons why I think the answer won't work. Or Vince won't pull the trigger. Because one, this generation is soft as fuck and the whole cancel culture shit. And two, like I said, the whole endorsements would be a star and Peacock with the censorship and all that. So that's why I think he won't pull the trigger because he's being a businessman. That's because he, well, he doesn't listen to the fans. Fuck the fans. That's third. That's a low-key third reason. But yeah, he's just doing business. He doesn't want to lose those um, endorsements by having some Generation Z motherfucker trying to cancel that shit. Good thing, Marcus. 
I think that the reason he won't, it has nothing to do with him being a businessman. This is Vince McMahon we're talking about. This is the WWE. This is literally the biggest wrestling corporation on the planet. It has really nothing to do with him being a businessman. I think it goes back to something that uh, I think Roddy Piper said a few years ago. He said, if you look at the Attitude Era then, and then you look at the Ruthless Aggression Era, and then at the time when he was alive, you look at the reality TV era. Vince doesn't know how to make a star anymore. He had a star in literally every single era. And it's like, well, how do I make a star now? Like You had guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and The Rock in the Attitude Era. Everybody knows that with those three guys, they helped make that era. Triple H kind of helped with the mid-card a little bit, but he grew from mid-card to main level. The Rock, he was this low-level guy. He gets put with Farouk and the Nation of Domination, and he organically grows himself. Stone Cold literally came from another company, and the reason he got so big is because he's like, I'm, I'm just the everyday guy. I, I come in, I do my job, I drink a beer. I, if, if you get in my way, you'll get a sign just because I don't like you or just because you're occupying two minutes of my time that I need. And in the Ruthless Aggression era, look who you had. You had John Cena and you had Batista. And the company literally was raised on John Cena and Batista on both brands. You had Batista on SmackDown, John Cena on Raw, and then they kind of switched. And then in the reality era, you had CM Punk, and CM Punk literally changed professional wrestling just from a bomb standard, where he blurred the line between, you know, I'm a fan, I'm a wrestler, I hate the fact that I work for a company that doesn't listen to its fans about wrestling. And nowadays, there's no star. Like, if you look at it, there's really not a star. Like, Roman is... Roman's what we've been waiting for him to be. But here's a, here's a, a statistic for you. Roman Reigns hasn't had a pinfall or submission loss since October of 2019. He, he's won 94% of his matches from that time frame till now. That's nuts. That, 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 I know you want to build him as a dominant champion, but that's too dominant. That's way too dominant. When you think about all the people he's faced before, I mean, who did like uh, Roman Reigns really beat, though? Like, he beat, all right, Cesario, he's a hell of an athlete, but you know he's not going to be main event status. I mean, Vince is not going to put him there, so you throw him against have Reigns beat him. Rey Mysterio, that was a joke. I mean, it's like Edge... You know he's not going to win the title. This is Cena and SummerSlam. He's not going to win the title. It's like they're just pretty much being like giving them nobodies. And that's why I've said before, it's like I need WWE to stop pussyfooting around and just NXT is your third brand. Stop it. You have the most international roster you've ever had. You don't know what to do with it. You've got guys who've been around the world, guys like Adam Cole, guys like Tommaso Ciampa, guys like Johnny Gargano, guys like Samoa Joe, who we've all been lobbying for forever to be a world champion. You have Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles. You have all this talent, but it's like, who's your star? You had Drew. You built Drew. Like, we love Scottish Terminator Drew. We don't love story time with Drew McIntyre. Drew, we just like the pure, you know, fighting, you know, no nonsense Drew McIntyre. Not, I had this sword for my Scottish family type Drew McIntyre. We don't care. And then we find out, like, oh, I have this sword for my Scottish family. Quit lying. That's Vince's sword. Everybody has already heard the story of Vince's sword. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I was like, so what are you telling? Like, well, where's the story? What do you think, KPG? Um, for what, I'm gonna go back on what he said. Like, he's his superstars 
that's been around the world that he doesn't want to push. Like, you have all these superstars who just choose not to push them. And from what I heard, this is like a year ago, pre-pandemic or back when he won a Royal Rumble, something like that. He said the reason why he doesn't want to push somebody like Andrade or Nakamura or somebody like that is because the language barrier, they can't speak good English. Which I think is bullshit. Why do you if you if you so like worry about them not speaking perfect English or whatever, get them a translator or something like that. Get them have them be like a huge chill. Like I remember Great Mother when he was back in like the early nineties, two thousand we first yeah, he was this badass heel who had a translator. He used to talk shit to his translator. But that's like if they're if that's the reason why you're stopping them because of their language barrier, that's bullshit. Yeah, what but, is Yokozuna not speak very good English? And they can come to that, That's what I was going to say. I'm like, so wait, let's get this right. One of the most dominant WWE champions he's ever had in Yokozuna had Mr. Fuji. And technically, Yokozuna is Samoan, so of course he can speak English. But for them to play the story that, you know, he's Japanese, so of course he can't speak it. So Mr. Fuji is translating and speaking for him. It's like... Does it really matter with the language barrier? Like, like really? Does it really? Eddie Guerrero was, was Latino, and he spoke both Spanish and English, and that's what made him so so loved by the WWE audience. It's like, well, he, he's half Spanish, half he speaks half Spanish, half English. Rey Mysterio speaks half Spanish, half English. Does it really matter about the language barrier right now? At this I think it's because kayfabe. Everybody, knew, like you said about Yokozuna, everybody knew he was a real Japanese. Everybody knew he was Samoan and he was from Cali. No, like you say, kayfabe. We gotta keep kayfabe alive. I see what you're saying, but everybody knew, like, okay, he's not real Japanese. He's like, he. We know he's from America or he's Samoan, England. So you gotta think about kayfabe was. Or non kayfabe was. Yeah. That's so I'll say what you're saying. Everybody loves Eddie because he can speak English and Spanish. Everybody loves Ray. English and Spanish. In my opinion, I think Eddie Guerrero, he's like a Mexican Ric Flair. He can talk shit, good promo skills, good wrestling, and he can back his shit up. He'll talk shit, but not only that, he can back he can back his shit up. Yeah, Eddie was uh well, that, or that era is the dirtiest player in the game, for sure. A lot of cheating still. Exactly. So we'll start with Marcus with this one. What do you think was the downfall for WCW in the wars? What do you think was the final pull like, that was like, we give up, we can't do this? I would say the final bullet, and everybody knows this, is Starcade. There's a Starcade where Kevin Nash beat Goldberg. That was the, that was the, that was the catalyst. It's like, okay, if Kevin Nash beat Goldberg one, two, three, straight up, we still probably have WCW around. And then we went from, you know, oh my God, Scott Hall just hit uh, Goldberg with a, with a cattle prod. And then the next night, Kevin Nash loses to Hulk Hogan with the finger poke of doom. It's like, okay. So the storyline where you make Goldberg this unstoppable juggernaut ends because Hulk Hogan has a plan to break the NWO up to have one person kind of screw Goldberg so he can get the title back. Wait, huh? Like, really? You don't think it was David Arquette winning the world title was the final nail? I, I would say that was the first nail was the whole Starcade thing. I would say the final nail was them realizing they, they don't they didn't have they didn't want to do anything. Like when you turn when you turn Rey Mysterio heel for a month and a half, knowing people still love him anyway, that's when you just don't care anymore. Yeah, but some wrestlers some like faces if they couldn't heal would still be like Praise like a fate, like Stone Cold when he became a heel. 
people still love them. The Rock, people still love them because he, he had a certain level in their career where no matter what they do, people will still love them for their work. I know, but, but like when you when you think of like think of it, like Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is well now. I'm not kidding. Like WWE in effect. I mean, they've done this to a lot of wrestlers, but, but just Rey. He's well now. You know, it's like. Yeah. It's like like I said with Rey. Like, can you really think in your heart like Rey Mysterio as a heel? Quite possibly the greatest luchador of all time in the history of American professional wrestling. As a heel, he's five foot, what, five seven, five eight, 175 pounds. Well, what is he gonna do as a heel if he's not even in the cruiserweight division? Good point. What do you think, KPG? Follow Nail the Coffin for me is backstage politics. Um, you know, he saw everybody to these. Big ass contracts, fucking one million, two million dollars a year, because you got all this money from the NWO and shit, merch and all that. You sell lot of reviews, and you just say, "Let's waste this fucking money." You don't say, "Hey, let's just sign any and everybody to these big ass contracts. Let's give everybody creative control." Let's just do whatever because we got all this goddamn money. If they would have decided everybody to like one, two year deals and get the big names like Hulk Hogan and shit, credit control, but I think it would have still stuck around. But to give like, and this one's like on him, somebody like Psychosis, credit control, or some of the cruisers created control when, like, it's not like on them, what, what, they really didn't deserve great control. And they're saying they're having to say so, what's going on? Like, it's something, it's something you should have control over. And, like, it's just, it's just to me, just backstage politics bullshit. To me. And that's why, and that's why you blame both Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo. Because, even Ray Mysterio said, like, one of the biggest insults to his career was Bischoff asking him to do the mask versus uh, title match with Kevin Kevin Nash. Because Mysterio lost and he was unmasked because of it. And it's like, his mask is more, is more symbolic just for his culture. And then... <laughs> the title itself. And then... A little while later, you had Hoovy and, and, and Jericho. And at Hoovy, it was match versus title. And he had the Cruiserweight title. And it's like, we don't really need Hoovy 2 taking his mask off. Like, we don't need Rey Mysterio taking his mask off. We don't need Psychosis taking his mask off. That's, that, that, that's what the culture is about. It's about the mask. And then uh, Super Kahlo Jr. is like, he wore a mask forever, and I still have not heard anything from him since WCW wound I have heard absolutely nothing at all from him. Like he's a guy with a mask and a beanie. And an old uh if you look at it, he had an old um I want to say an old public enemy style shirt. And I'm like, he was just in the division. So what do you think, Marcus, is the better promotion these days of everything? I'm not just talking about like AEW versus WWE. I'm talking about everything. I would go so far to actually say is it's got to be AEW right now. It's got right now, especially with the storyline that they're going right now with Kenny and Hangman. I've said from the get-go, that is the best wrestling storyline going. Because that storyline has been going since I think almost since since all out three almost what three years ago. Hangman lost the the uh, world title to Jericho, so he's kind of been down on himself for three years. Kenny's been trying to help him, but Kenny has slowly but surely been trying to jump over Hangman. 
and he did. And now it's like, now we're going to the culmination of almost a two and a half year storyline that's been going from AEW. It's been going from AEW and New Japan. And it's also been going from YouTube too. So it's like, there's no branches that it's not hitting right now. When you really look at it. Because right now, WWE, as much as, uh, as much as I love WWE, they don't know what they're doing anymore right now. Right now. No, they just don't care. Because it feels like. Like, what do you think, KPG? I have to say, um, Rick O'Mahler, right now, for me. They just need to, and I've been saying this for years, ever since they, since fucking 85% of the roster went to AEW when it first started. They just need that big star. And I know Shane, like I said, besides Shane Lethal, Shane Taylor, um, Homicide, he's back, but he's not really a big name no more. He won tag team titles, though. So that's still. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying, like, he, he, I'm not saying he's not a big name. He would know who he is, but it's not like, oh my God, Homicide, let's bring up, let's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh, Homicide, that's cool. And I, oh my God, Homicide's back. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. But, like I said, besides probably Jay Lee Fool, Homicide, Shane Taylor, um, and like two more people. I'll say Brody King, maybe, and the Briscoes. They really don't have no, like, big name that they can build their company around. They had Roosh, who's been a champion for over a year. Well, he lost that, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just lost that. So, they just need that big star to build a company around. And they can bring somebody like Buddy Murphy or one of these other releases. That's why I'm like, that's why I'm so against AEW. That's why I don't think it's against AEW. It's every time somebody gets released, oh, let's go to AEW, 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 AEW. It's like if other companies are around for them to go to, let everybody, I'm honest, they're going to work together with the Forbidden Door But let other people, I have an opportunity to have, like, some people. Don't just automatically just, when somebody gets released, oh, AEW. I know they're going to get, like, a partnership going on, but, like, I said, Rick Martin just needs to have a big star. Like I said, they only have a handful of people that, like, I feel like this name that have, that people will automatically recognize outside of Rick Martin. Like I said, Jelly for the Briscoes, Homicide, them people right there. If you see them at other reference show, you're gonna be like, okay, I know them. But other than that, they need somebody that can, like, if they go somewhere, I'm like, okay, he's like the face of Ring of Honor. So that's all. That Ring of Honor is the best company right now. Well, they had somebody. They had, uh, I don't know if you remember, they had Jeff Cobb. And oh, yeah. Cobb, he, he was being built to be like the and that's what I was saying. Joe. And that's why I was saying most of their company went somewhere else when AEW started. But the other, most of their company, and he was one of those people that went somewhere else. When the when he stayed for like another six months, but then he ended up leaving. But that's why I was saying when, when most of their roster had left to go somewhere else. Mainly AEW. When AEW first started. And I don't know if people know this, but when all when the first ever AEW before they would even call AEW, it was just what was it all in? Yep. Ring of Honor produced that show. They 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 used Ring of Honor's camera crew, backstage writers and everything. For the first ever, for anywhere you would call him, though, it was just all in. Ring of Honor did mostly everything promotion, backstage producers, all that. 
for some reason, that does not surprise me. I can I believe that. Because Ring of Honor is one of those promotions that, you know, they lost CM Punk and everyone's like, oh my God, Ring of Honor is now going to recover. They recover. They lost the Bucks and Cody. Oh my God, Ring of Honor is finished. They recover. Ring of Honor seems like one of those promotions that they, they still die. They just don't die. When you think they're out, they're never going to bounce back. They bounce back. And now with the women's tournament, like, let me start off with this with you, KG, then we'll get Marcus' opinion on this. WWE had Evolution, the women's pay-per-view, for one year, and then they stopped it. Meanwhile, you have NWA and Ring of Honor now that's showcasing women's wrestling. What is WWE's problem not showcasing the women's division? I think it's because... Most of the best women are in other companies. And so, but the whole WWE thing, like most of their like women now, they're the best, they're the best if you're like a WWE fan. But if, if like us, like us three, we know like, I'm not saying we know they're not the best. The best are other companies. And the second thing is Charlotte Flair. <laughs> That's the second <laughs> Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Do I really gotta say anything else? Charlotte Flair. And I've seen the fact. Um ever since she debuted on the main roster back when was it twenty fifteen? She has had she has had thirty seven, thirty eight this Sunday women's Title matches. How did she gets all these title matches? I don't get. It's like to, to WWE. Are they really that shallow in the women's division? They can't find someone else. It, it's not that, and this is what I feel it is. WWE don't know what to do with their women anymore. They were they were they were spoiled to have that that. I'll say that four-year gap of 2014 to 2018 where they literally had the best women's roster in the world. You had a young Becky Lynch who was starting to come into her own. You had a you had Bailey who was literally universally loved. You had Sasha Banks starting to feel herself a lot more. You had Charlotte who wasn't so much trying to be dominant. She was just trying to prove that just because my last name's Flair doesn't mean that I'm like my dad. You had, uh, I would literally say you had the greatest international women's export in WWE history in Asuka. Because when she came in, she changed everything. Including the match she had with, uh, Tanisha Dalewood or uh, Emma, that match still sticks in my head. Like when you think of Oscar's arrival moment, because I don't know if you guys remember the ending of that match, where it was um, she was trying to hit the Oscar lock the entire match, and she had it for a little bit, but Dana Brooke was out there with her. It was Dana Brooke and Emma when they were kind of together, and the ending of the match was when Asuka literally kicked Emma's head clean off her body. And when I saw that, I was thinking like, this may be one of the greatest women I've ever seen. Cause like, she doesn't need her finishing move to beat you. She can beat you just with a kick to the face. And it was a mean kick to the face. And, and you got Ronda Rousey and you got the one person who everybody has been saying, Vince, why don't you push? And Shayna Baszler, but for some reason, Vince is like, ah, I don't want to push her. She's like 39, 40 something years old. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that. I was like, there's no way in any universe that Alexa B 
West Mobile. There's no way. There's none. This is how I feel. Like, when you think about it, so let's get this right. You'll not push Shayna Baszler, who is, like, if you really let her loose, she's maybe the most organic heel in the entire company. She has a reason for you to hate her. She'll just break your arm just because you're in her way. You won't push Shayna Baszler at 39, 40 years old. But you'll push Mako Satamura, who's 46 years old, into winning the NXT UK Women's Championship. Hey, you got to think about it, too. Lastly, he's 44. He's a WWE champion. And he's 47. In the universal title, in the universal title conversation, so age is if there is an age, it's bullshit. Like you said, that, that girl, she's forty six, age forty seven. Um, Brock, he's in his forties, or about to be in his forties. Randy, forty one. So all these people that are in their forties, still in the title conversation, and, and you're saying. And you're saying she's not in it because she's too old. And that's why I've said, I mean, me and Vic were talking on the in Facebook message. That's why I said uh, the whole thing about Tommaso Ciampa. I give Ciampa 100% credit for even standing his ground. He said, I already know if you move me to the main roster, you're going to bury me. You, you have a better chance keeping me in NXT because if I'm not in NXT, I'm gone. There's, there's, there's no point. We talk about ages and stuff. Like that Vince doesn't want, doesn't want like Shannon Blazer. Meanwhile, there's rumors that Goldberg's coming back to face Lashley for SummerSlam. It's like that's great. Let's put Goldberg back in the mix. He can't wrestle anymore, and they still put him as a main event. This is, this is how I, I would love to see this happen. And I know they won't do it, but I would love to see this. Let Kofi beat Bobby. Let him beat him. Just let him beat him. You have Roman beat Edge due to whatever weird reason. I'm just going to say that. Then you have Cena Roman at SummerSlam. If you have Cena Roman at SummerSlam, and let's say Big E wins the Money in the Bank ladder match. Big E cashes in on Roman after his match with Cena. Now you've got some intrigue going into SummerSlam. I mean, not SummerSlam, Survivor Series, where it's like, we know it's Raw versus SmackDown, but are you really going to pull the trigger on Kofi Kingston versus Big E, Universal Champion versus WWE Champion, members of the exact same faction, in the main event of Survivor Series. Are you really going to pull that? Fine, I'll fight it. I'll fight it. Real fast, I want to put that up. Do you agree with that, KPG? I do, but like I said, it's real fast. I want to put that up. Just like with the whole, um, what was it? It was supposed to be Dinner versus Brock. That should have lost the title like two weeks before. Well, then again, that's on that's that's on Vince and his company, and the that's on the something like a, of a company deal behind that. Because if you remember, was it two years ago? We were supposed to get, uh, I think Adam, yeah, Adam Cole. He was the NXT champion. He was supposed to be put into the uh, champion showcase match where it was the NXT champion versus the WWE champion versus the Universal champion, and they scrapped that at the last minute. And we were all thinking, like, well, I understand you kind of scrapping because Adam Cole is, like, he's on the lighter side of the two guys. I think it was... in that match. Let him win it. Let him, let him just say, like, hey, 
these guys threw me around. These guys just beat me up. And then in the end, I, I came in, I hit one dude with a chair or I surprised rolled someone up and I actually won. Good point. Very good point. Because here, right now in the WWE, you have one of the most gifted rosters of all time, literally in the history of the company. No one, like, you really don't have a monster anymore, like a pure monster, monster anymore in the company. You have all these guys who can organically tell a story. You have someone like Ricochet, who is for the life of me, they kind of just treat as a joke, even though he's one of maybe the 10 best wrestlers in the world right now. Definitely. You have Adam Cole, who is literally one of the 10 best heels in the world right now. You have guys like Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, and you had Andrade, and you had Aleister Black, and you had all these guys where you can literally just make a roster of them and make a show off them, and I'll watch it. Yeah, some great talent right there. You're right. And now all of a sudden, it's like, we don't know what we're doing anymore. Right? Like, who are going to have to fight Roman this week? Who's the one who's going to fight Roman at the next week? We don't know. Let's, let's build a story. I couldn't buy Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns. I couldn't. Me either. I don't know why. I couldn't buy that. There was just another guy that could do with Roman Reigns to feign the title. I was like, we all know Roman's going to win. But still, pay-per-view, let's throw Jay Uso in there. Let's, let's make some money on Jay Uso. So you're going to make money off a tag team wrestler a known tag team wrestler who's really never had a singles run for anything. Wow. Yeah, that's that's great. It's, it's another way they could have made him a dominant heel. I never really liked that third line, oh, acknowledge me. I'm your tr-. They could have did that with somebody else besides James. And now they had to put him as main event. They could have did that with somebody else. They could have did that whole Acknowledge me bullshit with somebody else. Probably another generation. Well, I don't know who right now could have been, or back then could have been believable. But like he said, Jay Uso, I didn't buy that. They could have did the whole acknowledgement. A couple of years. Um, you remember when SmackDown was called SmackDown Live? Yeah. I remember that. That was one of the greatest periods SmackDown ever had because with that, you wanted to tune into it because you knew who was running it. You knew Shane was running it. You knew Daniel Bryan was running it. You knew for a fact that all the guys there wanted to be there. On the very first episode of SmackDown Live, who was the WWE champion? John Dude. Moxley. Think about it. John Moxley was the main guy on a roster outside of AEW. And you had all this talent surrounded around him that you could say, hey, anybody on this roster could be a WWE champion. They actually have a great roster. And they gave James Ellsworth a shot, title shot. And people were yeah. like, like, like Ellsworth can like pull this off. And that's why I was like, when you hit uh, AJ Styles with the sweet chin music or what JBL said, the no chin music, 
And he was this close to winning it. And I was like, oh my God, that really like, I was watching that, that really had me like so nervous. I'm like, this motherfucker was really about to win and beat AJ? Yes, this sounds like that would be good shit. I guess I'm almost be AJ. And, and think about it. The reason why he got popular is because one little line he said. Yeah. He, if you remember how he got popular. Yeah. He got squashed by LeBron. And all he said was that one line that got him over. Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. I, I remember. And I'm like, that's what got him over? That just proves that Vince wants to, if he wants somebody over, he can. Well, I mean, it's not, if he wants somebody over, he can. If you think about it, um, a lot of the concept matches that we've had in the past eight years or so, eight, nine, ten years or so, have came from the wrestlers. Like, a lot of people didn't know that it was a combination of John Cena, Matt Hardy, and of all people, Brian Kendrick. They're the ones who came up with the concept for the championship scramble match, which is, to me, that match should be done at least once a year. At least once, at least once a year. Yeah, I keep seeing that meme or that picture where they have Brian Kendrick, and it was like Brian Kendrick, new WWE champion. So I'll never like forget like that championship scramble because it was one of them. For one, it was the most, one of the most interesting matches or concept matches of all time. Not all time, but like past 10, 12 years. And like I said, that picture I keep on saying, but Brian Kendrick keep on saying, new WWE champion. Well, if you think about it, like the championship scramble match. And this came from uh, this came from Brian, Brian Kendrick. He said the uh, the concept of the championship scramble match actually was the uh, hardcore battle royal match from WrestleMania 2000, where you had like ten guys in a match, and for twenty minutes straight, you know, they were fighting for just a hardcore title. I forgot all about that. You're right, though. Shit. And that's, that's what he said where the idea of the championship scramble match came from is what if we put six guys in a WWE in a match, in a battle royal match, no rules, pinfalls and submissions, and we put all the main titles on the line? That would give you an interesting dynamic behind the fact that, hey, wait a minute. This guy can be WWE champion? This guy can be WWE champion? I personally would 100% agree if the match ended right there and Brian Kendrick was a WWE champion. I would have popped out of my seat with that. It's like the, the stories you can tell from just that alone will probably be just, just, just something you can tell your kids about. Like, hey, I saw this dude. He was like 160 pounds and he beat all these other guys to be WWE champion. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Because everyone put the underdog story, and that's why everyone watches. And if I remember correctly, he was a partner with Ezekiel Jackson at that time. Zeke, yes. He's yeah. another guy that would like pops up every now. Like I said, with my homicide, he pops up every now and then, and be like, "Oh, I remember him. He's Ezekiel Jackson." Like the last minute story that I've seen Ezekiel Jackson was Lucha Underground and Impact. But like I said, he pops up every now and then. But he's on a big big name. It's like, oh, Zeke Jackson, I remember you. They should have pushed Zeke to the moon. He had to be a physical guess. I mean, he was former Intercontinental champion. You're right. The last ECW champion of all time, this dude was he was just big and swole for every reason that was perfectly right in the world. It's like, you want a monster? There's your monster right there. He's just huge for no reason. Everything about him is huge. 
So while we have the last 10 minutes of the show, a question popped up yesterday while I was during my interview about the W24-7 championship, about whether it's a joke or not. Not saying our truth is a joke. He's a hell of a wrestler. I remember Sims is K-Quick, hell of a talent. I know he's just doing what the boss says. But they're pushing him as a 31-time world champion. Don't you think that's a joke? I'll say half and half. And I know they were doing the 24-7 title just to fill time and give guys something to do. But it's like, if you're going to do that, then you're better off allegating that to the Cruiserweights. Yeah. Uh, awful, like I said, I feel like it just gives some... I don't think it's a joke because it gives other people, like, we got to do something to fill in that third hour and or fill out the three hours of the raw. That, and like you said, art is not a joke, but it just... You need something to do with these jobbers. Or whatever, and plus it gives like sometimes every now and then it gives like an entertaining like factor. Like I remember when Rob Gronkowski was a champion, and our two was like, "I can roll you up like after you call a touchdown or something," and that would have been an interesting little thing if you really did like after Rob Gronkowski called a touchdown and he just came out of nowhere and just rolled him up. So I just like I just I like it in my personal I don't think it's because it brings like entertainment factors like that, like anytime, anywhere. Like that's so in my opinion, I don't think it's a joke. Well, like at the beginning of it, it was very, you know, well thought of, like our two pink ginger Mahal on the airplane while he was sleeping. Yeah, that was that's funny. funny. Having uh our true thing with Drake Maverick, as Maverick said he needs a twenty four seven title to complicate his marriage. I had that's funny, man. But then it just became like a roll-up. That's it. A roll-up. It's just, it needs more creativity behind it instead of like a roll-up and announce an area. One, two, three, that's it. For two minutes. And that's why I said, like, if you're going to allocate something to that third hour, you should have just went to the cruiserweight. Because let, let, let's be honest. The cruiserweight classic and I know all three of us know about it, the Cruiserweight Classic from a couple of years ago. That was the best summer of WWE wrestling, period. Because here you had guys that entertained you for the fun. Let's get this right. I don't know what Jack Gallagher did. I don't, like, I know it's something with the whole Me Too allegation, stuff like that. When he first appeared on WWE, in the Cruiserweight Classic. He was the funniest damn thing I ever saw. There's a guy that literally could get out of every single move possible and make it funny. Headlock? Sure, let me handstand out of that. This is a guy who, who tied up Akira Sozawa in the middle of a match and just left him there. And it still makes me laugh to this day. Like, how do you just tie up someone with their own hands and legs, and just leave them there. That's you know. And think about the cruise rates. Is this is my opinion. For a little time, they were like the third hour overall. But in my opinion, and I'm probably going to look at for it. If Enzo was their champion. They would have never got that time slot, in no, my opinion. No, here's why they would have got the time slot. It had nothing to do with Enzo. Enzo, they just needed Enzo to do something. The reason that the cruiserweights aren't as prevalent as they are right now is because they didn't want to give Cody Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. that freedom to move. Because we all knew the Cruiserweight Classic was brought together for just them two. 
That was the reason the Cruiserweight Classic was brought together. A lot of people don't know that was supposed to be the final match in the Cruiserweight Classic. Cody Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. That would a hell of a final. But because they wouldn't give Cody his in the freedom for his contract because Cody wanted to go in between both WWE and New Japan, a.k.a. starting the Forbidden Door. And Zack Sabre Jr. wanted to do the same thing. That's how we got TJ Perkins, Grand Mentally. And I'm not knocking TJ. TJ is phenomenal. I'm not knocking Grand Mentally. He's phenomenal. But everybody knew those two people were the reason the Cruiserweight Classic even came to exist. That's why we haven't had one since. Well, I thought it was the same way. They didn't want to give him a freedom to move around. He said that in an interview with Chris Bentley. He was like, the only reason why I signed with WWE because I wanted freedom to go back and forth from London, Japan, and the U.S. He said, when I come to the U.S., I'll do exclusively Evolve, NXT, and the U.S. But I want to have the freedom to, like... I got to say, he wants to be like on a time, like commission, like, or like a work, I don't know how to say, um, like he'll be like, okay, I'll, he'll make an agreement, like, okay, I'll be here for six months, but for the other six months, I want to do my own thing with New Japan and London and wherever else. That's what I'm trying to say. So he wanted to be on and off, and they wouldn't let him do that. And that's why the WWE is where they are right now. It's like you have all this talent worldwide. If you if you want to make a WrestleMania, this is how I feel. If you want to make a WrestleMania, and everybody in every wrestling company in the world knows how big WrestleMania is, bring in the other wrestling companies. Make it that big. Because I personally would love to see at this present point in time, even if it was just for the main event in WrestleMania, I would love to see a three-way match where you have Roman, Kenny Omega, and I even go so far as to say is uh, Okada in a three-way match just to see who's the best in the world. They all lay claim to it. Good. Let's put it on WrestleMania in front of 107,000 people and really see who is the best. That would be awesome, actually. I always thought that WrestleMania should be like a tournament of world champions all over the wrestling world before the grand champion. See who is the best. Because WWE is very good about bearing things. I mean, Ron Stoneman won the greatest run of Royal Rumble championship. That was all quiet after that. And you have other things that WWE's done that never happened. So, yeah. Like a winner takes all champion of champions tournament for WrestleMania would be awesome. Because right now you're not a storytelling company anymore. Like if you think about it, we all agree the lead up to the Rockstone Cole at WrestleMania 17 was the greatest storyline they ever put together. Literally, it was just that lead up. It, it, it's the promo that everyone ever talks about. Is the My Way promo. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but anytime I watch that, it's like I'm 33 right now, like, and WrestleMania 17 was 2001. It makes me feel like I'm a 13 year old kid all over again just watching that. I get those same kind of goosebumps where it's like, well, now I see the promo, so now I gotta watch the match. Now, now, now I got to. I hear it. It's just, you get the chills. You get the whole like, oh my god, you know. It's like it's exciting, not just oh cool, you know. Roman Reigns versus the Undertaker. I mean, at that time, it's midnight. I thought it was over at eleven o'clock. Thank God this is over now. No, it's like you hear about like Austin and Rock. You just get excited. Like if you want to do that, like make made make WrestleMania worth something now. Like bring bring them out. Like, if you got Edge, I would love to see Edge versus Tatsuya Naito. They're, they're, they're the stars that a lot of people didn't expect to be as big as they are. 
and for years they became the biggest stars of their company. Let, 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 let's let's go across the gap. Let, 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 I know you guys are an entertaining company. For two months, take the entertainment and put it to the side because we need the wrestling right now. The company's name World Wrestling Entertainment. You guys are focused more on the entertainment as opposed to the other W. Exactly. And that's what I that's what the fans miss. That's what the fans love about AEW. That's what the fans love about Ring of Honor. That's what the fans love about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right now, let's get this right. If you were to bring Will Ospreay into WWE right now and just say, hey, you and Ricochet, we're gonna put you two in a program where one of you will be the world champion. Would you not watch? I would. Well, gentlemen, it is past our 60-minute time limit. I appreciate your time. We got to do this again. I had a tremendous great time talking to you guys about wrestling. Yeah. Marcus, KPG, KPG, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And we would do, and we'll definitely do this sometime real soon. Marcus, I'll shoot you a message in a couple hours. You too, sir. I appreciate both of you. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You take care. You too.